Hello and welcome. Today I am very excited to have Joe Hinnigan on the podcast. So Joe is first team physio at Everson Football Club, who is the team that I support. So Joe, congratulations, because you are the first person that I've I've had on from Everton. So uh, I won't be asking for any gossip, but I'm looking forward to it. Thanks, Andy. Thanks for inviting me on. No problem. So whereabouts are you at the moment then? Uh, currently at the training ground. Um, the squad are over in Evian um, and a, on a pre-season sort of camp. Um, and me and another physio have stayed behind because there's a, one or two uh, more longer term rehabs that we, we, we've kept behind, really. Right. OK. So what is it like then when when people go on pre-season? Is it like is it an eerie training ground? Yeah, very like off season vibes, you know, like as in terms of you know, not a lot of bodies around here on the first team side anyway. But, you know, the academy and under 21s are, uh, are still here and still training. So, they're, you know, in the academy side of it is, is still business as usual type of thing. Right. Yeah. And then what? when did you come back for, for pre-season? Um, staff were back last sort of Wednesday, um, just getting things sorted really for for the players coming back on the on the Thursday. Um, busy day on the Thursday, lots of testing to get through, um, and then the lads trained in the afternoon, so it was quite a long day, um, but it kind of went relatively uh, smoothly actually. Um, got got the lads through uneventful. Um, and then they trained on the following day with uh, the weekend off into Evian, really. Right. And so what's it like for you then when you finish the season in May time? Like, What, what do you get to do in that time period? How long do you get off and like, do you get it off? Yeah, um, this season, I think it took about a week for me to get over that last game, to be honest. Um, just from a mental kind of point of view, you know, I'm like yourself, I'm, a, I'm an Everton fan, so you kind of invested doubly as being an employee and a fan. Um, yeah, so it, it must have took me a good week to, to get over that and just kind of just take a, a back step and just analyse it all and, you know, make sense of it. But uh, And then we tend to sort of, uh, the, the physio team tend to cover a week each. So, you know, uh, I'll cover a week, someone else will cover another week. So we kind of just share the load, really. Um, so I was the second week. So week debriefing, relaxing, uh, week in Finch Farm, working with the injured boys. And then I managed to go away for a week myself. Um, just went to Cyprus with the family and then week more and then back in so we had about four or five weeks off uh, in total um it was a shorter season this season with the world cup so it was a bit more condensed the off season so it literally flew by like you know in the blink of an eye really yeah yeah no it's, it's hard to believe when like i've had correspondence with, with some other people and that saying they're back in it's like my god yeah, t- yeah time time flies anyway but particularly in football it's uh, a yeah. very fast-paced and so when you're off in that, in that time period, when you're away, do you still get texts from players and things? like you, Or are you really trying to be off the radar? Um, you still get texts because you know, I get past players asking for certain medical information. You know, it's quite a, 
active uh, window uh, with uh, with players transferring club, uh, club to club. So you will get players who you've probably not spoke to in a while, just saying, oh, can you send me some information? Or um, it often involves around transfers, really. Uh, and it depends on how the injury list is looking um, at your specific club. Towards the end of the season, we did have a lot of injuries, but they tended to be more niggly sort of um, type of injuries, like short term stuff. So they kind of resolved you know let nature run its course they would have resolved in a week or two anyway um with just a couple of long-term lads out so yeah the the sort of shift of focus then you know goes on to them mm. and then see, one of the things that i've noticed is it used to be like email that you'd get a lot of stuff through there but now whatsapp we, we've got a lot of customers that will chat to on whatsapp which is great because it's mm. quicker and all that but yeah. you also like i've only got one phone and you're never switching off from it no. So what's what's it like? For Sound you? like my wife there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's it. You know, you get the odd telling off. Put your phone down. It's work. You know. So yeah, uh, I know that feeling definitely. Um, I've had, I've even had like players in, message me on Instagram and stuff like that. I'm like, oh, what the heck's going on here? You know, like, <laughs> yeah, it's, you can't get away from it. When I go away, I try to turn my phone off for at least a week and just have no kind of um, no involvement with where I try and shut down for a week. I think that helps things. Yeah, and do, do the club like what's do the club have a policy on on how to manage that? And so from an HR side, not that I know of. Um, be interesting one to find out. Um, I might ask a few questions really, but no, we don't, not that I know of, I don't think we have any specific policies or procedures or anything like that. Yeah, no, because imagine is you literally, you're never switching off and because you love it as well, I bet. Yeah. It's, it's, it's all part of it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, interesting. I'm sure I'll come back to that because it's, I hadn't even mm. written down those questions, but I just, I found all that stuff that's really interesting. So um, whereabouts are you from originally, Joe? Um, I was born in Sunderland, but um, I mean, my dad was a professional footballer. He played uh, for Wigan, Sunderland, um, you know, Chester, Preston. Um, so I was actually born in Sunderland when he was playing up there. But then all my family are, are based in Liverpool, really. Uh, but because I moved around a lot as a kid, I kind of didn't pick up the accent or anything like that. So I'm known as a wool to, to family members. Yeah, well, I'm from Southport, so I'm used to that comment as well. So, <laughs> so what was it like having a dad playing professional football? Um, yeah, it was, it was pretty cool. You know, you you kind of you get to go into certain clubs, and um, when he finished playing, he he became a physio as well. So I, I got exposure to to going into clubs and and seeing what it's like from the other side of it, really. Um, and I always loved doing that and being surrounded by football. You know, it's it's kind of in the blood really with my dad and uh, one of my cousins played for Everton. He came through the academy and played for the first team, and then went to, went on into sort of League One, League Two clubs. Um, he's currently assistant manager at Plymouth, so they've had a really good season. Um, and then my other cousin captained. Everton women's team for, for a number of years so yeah it's kind of in the blood really so I always knew that I wanted to go into into physio um, 
like even at like early on in high school when the careers officer comes around you know what do you want to do was like yeah I want to get into physio and my mind was always I'd love to work for a football club you know that was the, always the the end goal um so yeah yeah I still pinch myself every day coming into work you know uh, it is great yeah it makes those whatsapps a bit easier when you you know you do what you want <laughs> yeah. to be doing so did that desire to get into the medical world did that stem from your dad yeah I think so I thought you know I was never quite good enough to to make it as a footballer you know I think I knew that relatively early on um so yeah I thought we'll choose a career that you know you're going to get a guaranteed sort of profession out of and a job for life uh, whether that be in the NHS or professional sports who knows but yeah I thought it was a good stable job and if I, if I could get into that um break into the sort of football side it would be it'd be great experience and so like, at what point did you start planning to to do that degree uh I knew in high school so I knew what what A levels I needed to go and get at college and yeah, so I had it I had a very focused mindset and that's what I wanted to do. Um I never really contemplated anything else really. Um yeah, I knew that I needed certain um GCSEs to get on to the A levels and then, you know, you needed like the biology side of things. Um uh, through an A level and two other ones. So yeah, yeah, that's, that's the sort of path that I went down. And how did you decide where you wanted to study? Um, I always I wanted to move away. I had this I had this real desire to move away from home and be independent, really. Um, so I, I kind of applied for um, universities far enough away that I wouldn't be tempted back home too much. Um, so I ended up going to University of Teesside, who at the time had just spent about 10 million on this new School of Health. Uh, it was pretty impressive uh, at the time. So when I went for the interviews, that's what really kind of stuck out about that, really. Um, so, yeah, I chose, chose Teesside. Right. And so how was it being away? Was it what you expected? Yeah, it was It was fantastic. Yeah. When I, when I look back on, on them years now, you know, you, you just crack a big smile and you know the friends that you make and um I guess the independence you know doing it by yourself and yeah I mean the studying was was pretty full on um especially the second and third year when you're away on placements and things like that and you know people want you to go out and party but you're like oh, I've got to get up at eight o'clock in the morning and you know <laughs> yeah so you've got to uh you've got to be quite the word stringent or not you say no sometimes but overall it was it was a fantastic experience and in terms of the, the other colleagues and classmates you had there like, did they have a similar mindset in terms of wanting to get into sport as well or what were their aspirations no, no not really um no i'd say i think predominantly it was more nhs focused really there may have been one or two who were interested in that pathway of, of sports, but off the top of my head, it was very, you know, they, they wanted to be, well, you know, go get some experience in the NHS. And to be honest, that's that's the path that I wanted to do. I wanted to go and have five years in the NHS and get lots of patient mileage and things like that. 
but it ended up turning into about 10 years in the end. You know, it, it was a lot longer than what I, I originally planned. Uh, and that was just down to opportunities. And, you know, it's so hard to, to get into football clubs, really, uh, and getting your foot in the door and things like that. So, yeah, yeah. And I love I did love the NHS for the first five years, um, you know, really enjoyed it. Uh, did a lot of MSK stuff. Um, knowing that I was hoping to, to sort of get into the sports side, I kind of did lots of like A&E experience and uh, ended up heading up all the lower limb sort of rehab classes and things like that, you know, post ACL, ankle fractures, blah, blah. Um, but yeah, just opportunity was just hard to get into a club, really. So, so where were you doing your NHS work? Uh, I was at Whiston Hospital, so I got that job pretty much straight out of uni and kind of stayed there, really, you know, did a few rotations and then kind of specialised in the uh, MSK, like a static role, and then just kind of progressed through through sort of the banding system in the NHS through there, really. Um, and then luckily enough, I was doing some part-time work at, at Man United just kind of evenings and covering tournaments and things like that. Uh, and then a job came up at Everton for a similar role. And I thought, you know, it would probably suit me better. Uh, I thought there'd be probably more um, chance of career progression and things like that. So I went for it. And not long after, uh, one of the academy physios um, moved to Australia and I went for his job and, and got it. And you know, started off with the 18s and then kind of progressed through, really. Right. So so when you're doing the work like at United and Everton, is that like on a casual basis then? Yeah, casual basis. You know, you're covering like evening clinics, you're going away on tours and trips and covering tournaments and things like that, really. Uh, little pockets of rehab in the evening cl- clinics as well to get your sort of teeth sunk into. But yeah it's not it doesn't give you that full exposure to what life's like uh, you know as full time in the in the job but you just take whatever comes your way really you know in hope that something may come up and you know luckily for me it did mm, and how many of those that type of clinicians of say man U or everson got like roughly is it they have a big bank of people on their yeah, payroll they have, and... yeah they have a bank really it might be probably our club it's probably six seven um you know bank physios because you need you need a a lot of tours covering you need sort of certain evening clinics when you know the full-time staff aren't aren't here and things like that covering so yeah you want to have enough staff so you're not left short as well um but also you want you need enough work for them so it's that that role's kind of uh peter burns the uh, academy sort of head physios role to sort of organize and sort all that out really right and then so when you saw this the opportunity with the the academy then so what was the what process did you have to go through for, for doing that and who was leading the recruitment um back when i moved into the academy first time yeah, Everton, yeah. oh it would have been uh ray hall and um martin waldron um who were I remember them specifically being on the interview panel. Um, yeah, so 
I just remembered having to, uh, thinking to myself, oh, I've got an, I've got to nail this somehow. And and the first question was, uh, why Everton? And I kind of just thought about, oh, I've mentioned my cousins coming through the the, the kind of system, and you know. I've been familiar with the club for a long time because obviously I went to, to go watch Mark a lot um, when they were playing academy games and things like that. So I, I knew that they had a great sort of academy because of the, the players they were bringing through at the time. Um, and Finch Farm was relatively new at the time. So obviously the the, the facilities were, were great at the time. Um, so, yeah, yeah. Um, I remember coming out thinking I've probably done as best as what I can there. So, and luckily I, I got the job. So, mm. how did that go down? Your response to to like why, why Everton? Uh, I think it went down pretty well, really. I think that's what they were asking for. Uh, I got that vibe anyway. Um, I didn't ask them specifically for feedback after, but uh, yeah, I, I think it went down well. Mm. Well, Ray Hall's a bit of a legend. I, I used to play tennis with him. At- at Alton Tennis Club years and years ago, but he was he was quite renowned for for bringing through like the the Everton Academy's got an amazing reputation, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it has. Yeah, and I know um, my cousin Mark. He, he speaks very highly of Ray, um, and unfortunately, I didn't work with him that long because he kind of took retirement. You know, one or two years into into me beginning at the club, really. So, unfortunately, I just missed out on on that era, really. And so working in the academy then, like what what is the obviously it's, it's working with the youth players, but like what is the the, the mission and, and the goal for for the academy? How big is it? Like what what age do you start seeing people? Um, we'll have certain physios assigned to different sort of groups, so we'll have like a a more youth development phase who see like the fourteen to sixteen year old group. Uh, and then we'll have a PDP physio. We'll have maybe two or three of them who, once you've signed professional, really, you go on to like the scholarship scheme and first year pro. So that they ta- kind of take over that group. So we'll have different physios assigned to different groups, if you like, the more younger age groups and then the scholars and professionals, really. Mm-hmm. And then when when you're with that, some Everton again have had some great players through there. Do you do you can you pick up as a physio? Do you uh, can you see the ones that you think actually I can see they've got whether it's mentality or the physicality or skill or whatever it is? Do you often be able to pick out the the ones that you think you can do well? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, uh, I think I'd like to think so anyway. <laughs> um, more, more so like attitude wise, I think you know. They're the kids who are very robust as well. Really get injured, and it, and when they do get injured, they're like, "No, I'm playing." You know, uh, I'm playing, or you know, they're not happy to sit on the physio plinth. They they, they want to be out there. Uh, sometimes there's occasions where you have to intervene and say, "No, you you know, you can't play on this or whatever." But if it's a niggle or it's a, a slight knock or whatever and, and they want to push the bodies through it, then I think you've got to encourage that, really. Um, definitely the mindset of it, you know, doing extras in the gym. Um, you see that a lot and you see the lads who, OK, if they're not going to make it at Everton, they're certainly going to make a, a good career out of the game because I think that holds a lot of weight. Um 
but yeah, I was lucky enough. The first season I came, the the, the, eight, the under 18s who were the group I was looking after, they they won the league, and then when I moved up to the 21s, it was a lot of that group really, and they ended up winning the uh, the Premier League two and um, like two seasons out of three or something it was. So they were very su- successful in group, and you you kind of you know you followed them along that pathway really. So it was it was really nice to see. And out the group, I think from the outfield players, there's, there's no one playing lower than the, the championship. So it was a, it was a very kind of special group, really. Right. Who were some of the players in that, that those teams then? So the likes of like Anthony Robinson, uh, who's at Fulham, Tom Davis, um, Joe Williams, who's at Bristol, uh, Kieran Dowell, who's just moved up to Rangers. Um, I think probably missed loads out. Uh, we had like like Callum Connolly who was at Blackpool, um, Matthew Pennington who's just joined back Blackpool now. Um, yeah, so it was them type of um, that type that, that age group really. Yeah, and then so for when you're managing those um, athletes, so if they're uh, I don't know what age the what what age do you start with them then in that? Like are they are they adults at that point? Um, yeah, so the my first role was like under 18s type of um, role. So they would have been like scholars slash first year pros really at that at that point. So they would have the scholars would have still been in college, but the first year pros would have finished college at that point, um, and they were on the full time kind of model if you like. So they'd be in Finch, you know, most days. Um, People, you know, mostly pitch-based stuff with gym, uh, sandwiched in between. Mm. And have you seen much of a change in terms of like the expectations of of players coming through? Because that football is just—it's hard to believe it's getting bigger and bigger from a financial standpoint, and mm. the re- rewards are massive. Like everyone's mm. kid, that everyone's dad that I speak to seems to have a kid that's playing in an academy or yeah. or that. And it's yeah. like, have you seen any change in like the whether yeah. it's the mentality of people or? Yeah, I think there's a lot more like that. Obviously, it's starting younger and younger and younger. And yeah, what, what you see now, it's you didn't see when I was there. Is you see massive clubs coming and paying millions of pounds for un, totally unproven, you know, kids really, uh, taking a big gamble on some of them um, without them playing any you know having any sort of first team experience you know whatsoever so i say i think you see a lot more movement now of of academy players between clubs um whereas you, you kind of didn't see that really as much when it when it first started um you have a few players now thinking oh you know what i'm going to go play abroad um so they'll take a punt and, and try and establish themselves in the first team quicker um in Europe and and maybe take the path that like the likes of Sancho and you know Bellingham have, have taken recently and um, I think they'll probably look look at them as you know the role models to see if they can emulate something similar um so yeah I think you're seeing a lot of that type of movement mm. and do you is there much work done on like supporting them mentally with with this is there more so than previous I think, I think, yes, I think there are 
um you know there are pfa schemes now and um that they can access at any time i think mental health obviously in the last few years has has um got massive uh, popularity and, and and rightfully so um there's pfa schemes there's also the club employer, uh, a psychologist who, who comes in on a part-time basis, who does a lot of the, a lot of work with the academy. Um, so whether it be you know long-term injured or you know you pick up on you know a person, an individual struggling, then we can access them services for them. Whereas again, when I first started, there was probably you know none of them services there. So that is something that that is probably developed with with the increased uh, awareness i would say mm, yeah because it's people talking about mental health and it's like again players you've seen yeah. some publicity with trent was doing something wasn't he about players that are kind of falling out of the uh out the of the system. system yeah mm. yeah that's the thing we had a we had a great um education officer uh, mike dickinson and and he would he would make it his his priority to always stay in touch with lads who had left the club and he was he was fantastic at that uh, Mike so he would like you know someone had left the club three years ago and they might have bust their ACL for another club and they didn't have any facilities but he would always steer them in the right direction and you know well did you not know that was this available for you with the PFA scheme or you know along them lines and he'd always help the the ex-players out uh, go that extra mile so yeah we had a we had a we had a good member of staff uh employed in that role yeah it's mike so i i think if it's the mike i remember like he's old school but he was he was because he was involved with them um, when i did coaching in america he yes. did some of the sessions that's right yeah yeah that would be him he was a great guy like brilliant what a character he was yeah like. big character yeah yeah he's a bit yeah. he's a big miss he's took retirement as well so I'm sure his his golf has come on leaps and bounds since he left, but yeah, sorely missed. No, good. No, I'm glad to hear he's uh, still going because yeah, he was he was a great character. I remember him very well. I mean, that was 20 plus years ago that I was doing that. Uh, yeah, no, that was great. So, and then when you moved to the first team, how did that come about? Um, I guess the first team wanted to restructure and um. I think we had quite a lot of external kind of people coming in doing specific roles um and the uh the, the head of medicine adam newell wanted to restructure it and make it more full-time staff and um so you have that continuity with the players really um so i saw the job advert advertised and you know sort of applied for it um and it was like a, an interview procedure, presentation, interview and a practical element to it. So, yeah, I remember coming out of that interview thinking that's the that's the best interview I've ever done. Like and then it was that waiting game. And I think I waited about three weeks before I found out it was like, oh, I just talked myself out of it. I thought oh, well, I haven't got it then because I, I think I would have heard by now. And uh, yeah, I remember getting pulled into the office and said, oh, you know, you've got congratulations, you've got the role, you know, um, and I was just like, I was in shock because I, I, I talked myself out of it that much that, yeah, it was it was a great, 
great um, result that one. Yeah. So what was so good about your performance in the interview? Um, do you know? Do you just know when things just go right from start to finish and your your flow is good and you? Uh, I remember like a certain question came up and I stopped stopped him and said no that that. I think it was like a sort of like prejudgment against being something, you know, got the impression of this and was like, no, that's absolutely wrong, you know, like, and I give him a bit back at the time and I thought, oh God, that was a bit of a high risk, but I'm glad I did really, because I didn't agree with a certain point. Um, yeah, so yeah, the interview went well, the, the practical went well. Um, you know, we had a few scenarios and you just, get to the root of the problem quite quickly and um yeah i remember you know coming out just thinking well if i don't get it i'll give my absolute best so fingers fingers crossed and luckily it, it turned out well and it's how does it how how well did you know adam when you were doing the interview it's, it's a bit strange when you're doing it with people yeah you know. yeah i knew i knew i knew i just i i knew adam very well because obviously working with the 21s before they developed Finch Farm further we were all in the 21s and the first team were in this tiny treatment room of about six beds so you know we all had to sort of muck in and knew them very well and then the first team built a new section and it, then it became quite a little bit isolated in the 21s and you didn't see them as much and even if even you knew they were in you didn't necessarily see everyone um but yeah, I knew him. I knew him well, and I know I've worked. I've worked with him before. I knew what type of character he was. So yeah, I was. I was keen to throw me hat into the ring, if you say. And then in terms of the practical bit, so is that done with that amongst yourselves, or are players involved in that? Uh, there were specific player scenarios from that season that this, the the medical staff would deliver to you, and you, you know, use your clinical reasoning skills to kind of work out what was going on really right okay no that's that's quite interesting and so how did you find it when you were in the when did you join the first team and like what was it like when you that so last, se- last last season was was my first uh season with the first team so yeah um yeah it was strange because i've worked with a lot of the lads before you know when we were in the the old building so uh yeah i uh, I just remember the first few weeks were a bit of a blur, really, because I was so excited to to start. Um, and then we had a player had a pretty significant injury in the first game of the season, and Adam was like, "Right, you you take this one." So I kind of got into it straight away. Think you know, which was which was good in a way because I, I like being busy. I like having something to get me teeth stuck into. Um, so I was busy from kind of day one, if you like. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, that, yeah. Well, that particular that did look quite a bad injury um, at the time. So, and then, so you were working in the academy. So was it when Dave Unsworth was was he, was yeah. he running the academy? Yeah, yeah. And so, yeah. what was that like? Because he was an, an Everton legend, won the mm. FA Cup, but then he, he also went up to do the first team for a bit as well. Yeah, yeah. So, um, Unsworth was you know great to work with. Challenged you though. Like, you know, you have to be on your toes. Your communication had to be um, spot on, really. Uh, and I remember the first few years, first few seasons working with Unzi, we'd always, we'd always clash because, you know, I was trying to like say, 
trying to protect a certain player or you you'd push you. So you just had to have all your your you announce about you really and have everything to back up your your judgment. But he would always back you at the end of the day. You know, if you said he weren't ready, you know, he wouldn't he wouldn't sort of overstep that mark. But you had to be really on your toes. And I, I felt like when Onzi left, I felt like, you know, I could whoever manager came in, I could probably work with because he pushed me and challenged me that much that, you know, it improved me reasoning skills and my communication and just being on point with everything really so yeah um good to see him you know doing turning it around slowly at Oldham so I keep I keep an eye out on their results and you know when you work for someone for such a long time you you always kind of wish them well really. Did you think he was doing that was he acting like that to improve you or was that just what he wanted he, ex- he had expectations i think he had high very high expectations um you know and standards really um and if you drop below them he would he would know straight away so you had to be you had to bring your a game every day with unzi um, definitely um but I, i'm thankful for that experience because like i said uh I felt like I could I could work under any coach now because I felt he pushed me so much and challenged me in certain situations that yeah I could probably deal with most things. Mm. So what, when you say communication, like what what do you mean when he said you had to get your communication spot so, on? So I think head coaches is they, they they need to know numbers and they need to know it by specific times, you know. So you'd always have to relay all that information and if someone had you know, you can have lads sometimes, you know, texting in the middle of the night, I'm sick or, you know, I need to see the doctor or whatever. And you need you need to relay all the information. You know, you're you're covering quite a, a large number of academy boys. So you need to get them in early to be reviewed by the doctor or, you know, that was specific examples or, you know, sometimes you get players who would throw you under the bus as well you know you wouldn't report an injury they'd had three days off and they report it like the, the morning of training you know at the end of the day it is what it is he hasn't reported the injury and you know that that was the one thing that he, he didn't he, he didn't like really but there's only so much you can do at the end of the day and i remember the first couple of seasons, it used to really affect me. It used to be like, oh, God, I'm going to have to tell him he's injured here. It's like, and he used to take it home with me and he used to, you know, fester, he used to fester and things like that. But I think with experience and, and um, you know, just time spent with him. Also, like I would say, the birth of my, my two boys, it just kind of relaxed me to a way where it's like, oh, you know what, it's not, it's not life or death, you know because someone's not reported something or because I'm going to have to tell him his best player is injured. It, it kind of just happened overnight, really. It was like, uh, the mindset completely changed. And it was like, so what? Like, you know, it's not going to kill anyone. Mm-hmm. Sometimes part of the job is delivering bad news. And I think that took me a little bit longer to to kind of get to, gra- uh, to grasp than anything else, really. Yeah. Yeah, and how different? Uh, what were the changes between being in the academy and then the first team? What were the different like skill sets that you need in one or the other? Um, biggest thing I've found so far, uh, 
you've got to have a bit more give and take with the first team lads, you know. Um, whereas in the academy system, you know, whenever you said kind of got when, you know, you planned the program and you delivered it and there was no arguments, there was no challenge, if you like, whereas a lot of the players now would like to know uh, why why are we doing this or you know so you, again it's about having that reasoning rationale you know already in place and go well we're doing this to x y and z you know to improve your strength so you know it would offset your chances of getting injured or it might be for power development it might be to develop them um, physically it might be because you've not done a lot of cardiovascular work so we need to stress this or whatever it is you just need to have a little bit more explanation and um sometimes as well you get players you're like oh i hate that exercise you know well okay um personally i'll always say like well why do you hate it because often often it's because they're very poor at it um and i might bring that up in like the pre-season scores or whatever um, or it might be that you know they've had a previous injury that just irritates that that structure. So we can find an alternative. That's that's no problem. You know, there's more than one way to to skin a cat. Um, so yeah, that's the biggest thing I've found so far um, is being able to adapt a little bit more, I guess. Mm. And then what's it like in terms of the you mentioned there about the players challenging you? But is that is that stressful or like what do you I suppose Unsworth being a previous player it's that's probably quite a good grounding for for working with the players yeah yeah definitely no I agree with that yeah no it, it doesn't it doesn't stress me out really I, I think it's a good thing to have that little bit of debate or it might just an inquisitive player I'd always much rather have that than someone who is you know you know you, you kind of not getting a lot back from or whatever. Um, so mm. that engagement for me is 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 important. Yeah, and then in terms of like the, what was it like? Like last season was a stressful season. Like how how do you cope with that? For one, being a fan, but obviously you're a professional as well. So yeah, yeah, I think you've got to, um, You've got to put your professional cap on really and kind of put your emotion and feelings to one side a little bit um but last season was pretty tough you know the season before was tough and then last season was even tougher um you know but yeah what the club needs is is you know some stability as we all know and i think we're moving in the right direction um at the minute uh hopefully one or two signings and you know, we'll be good to go. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely. And then what's it like when the manager changes then? You had massive personality in Lampard and came across really well in the media, but results weren't going that yeah. well. What's it like for behind the scenes? Yeah, it's, it's a, yeah. I think everyone's the same. No one wants to see anyone, you know, lose the job because um, you, you build relations with certain people and the surrounding staff and, you know, one minute they're here and then the next minute the, the, you don't see them, you don't even get a chance to say goodbye. So, yeah, that's been an ongoing thing here for for several years, really. So, like I say, the, the, the biggest thing moving forward, I think, is you can get some stability. Um, 
I'm sure we can start to turn things around really. Mm. And in terms of like your development, do you like do you have one-to-ones from your own development and like support from Adam or whoever mm. it may be? Yeah, yeah, we have one-to-ones um with Adam on a regular basis. And you know, he's very supportive as in terms of you know CPD and just going on courses or um you know whatever we've asked for we've we've always kind of got really so uh, from that sort of educational perspective things have been really good and we you know we we try and bring practitioners in to having services here or someone might deliver something in-house so i think it's important we we always challenge ourselves and you know strive to improve every every season really Mm. I'm always impressed that we've done quite a lot of stuff with the football clinic at MIP in yeah. Manchester. It's a and nice like setup, is, isn't it? It's a great setup, and it's yeah. like really good with like Steve Kemp and and Wakar and mm. uh, you know Neil Jane and the guys there. But it's like the, the clinicians, like some of your colleagues have attended previously. Yeah. And it's you know it's it's, it's late in the evening. It goes on yeah, till there. Yeah. You will have had a full day. Yeah. But there's real commitment of people turning up and doing that extracurricular stuff, which I think people in sport it's it's a draining experience, I can imagine. Yeah, yeah it is. It is. Um, and I've, I've found, like, obviously, I, um, one course I did enjoy, I went to do the PG Cert at Salford with um, Paul Comfort and John McMahon. Really enjoyed that one. But that's probably my last face-to-face um, kind of course, really, because I found since having the boys, like the, the remote learning for me, it kind of works better for me. You know, I can do it at my own pace or I can um, I can do it when we're traveling or in a hotel, you know, um, and I don't need to be away from the family because you're already away from them, you know, a lot for large chunks of the season. So for me, I found like specifically since COVID as well, the online learning is just gone through the roof in terms of the accessibility and the quality of it it's just gone up and up and up really mm, no no definitely but you, you did a you've got a master's haven't you in yeah i did it with um uh did it at edge hill uh, edge hill is it mark's football, course football rehab yeah it was mark's course at the time yeah mark leather yeah um enjoyed that but it was a bit of a i was Doing an R and I at the time because I was still in the NHS and it's like, you know, they wouldn't obviously give me any funding towards it because like, oh, yeah. and I, I remember having to sort of self-fund it myself and it was like it was quite expensive and it was like, oh, do I do this or not? But I do think that kind of gave me an advantage um, when I was applying for like the full-time roles. Having that on the CV was quite specific masters at the time uh, which was football you know all football related so really thankful that i did that and i do feel that that contributed for me to get in a full-time role in football yeah i won't give mark all the credit for that after i'll have a chat with him later and say that he's uh but no he's, it's a great course isn't it he puts yeah. a great team together there that, that pulls it all together yeah definitely um it just gives you that like little insight into to the day-to-day things and what you know what you need to be clued up on you know in the role that you you're going for really or you might already be working in um but yeah yeah i really enjoyed it 
uh, still stay in touch with some of the cohort as well. So it was a good little cohort we had. Um, yeah, we'd do it again, definitely. Yeah, who were the, some of the other people in the, on, on your course? Because that must have been a while ago that it was at Edge Hill. Yeah, 2009, I think. Um, so Richie Partridge was one. Um, so I think he's gone over to Aspatar or he's, he's got guitar maybe. He's doing the under 21s somewhere. He was uh, a player, wasn't he, as well? Yeah, he played for Liverpool, yeah, as a, as a, as a kid and come through the academy and um, he got a job as physio there as well. I think he ended up working for the first team as well. Um, and Greg Bundle, um, again, he was oh, coming, toward, coming towards the end of his career and, you know, was looking for the next step. And again, I think he's still at Liverpool uh, in yeah. the academy, yeah. So, yeah, um, it was a good a good bunch, really. Yeah, Liverpool, really, they seem to go after, like, the people with um, a background in yeah. uh, elite sport, don't they? I know Terry yeah, Jones yeah. works there, who's top basketballer as well, and they've had a few other really good football players that are working there. Yeah, yeah, it just seems to be, there's a lot, there's a lot, isn't there, who, who, who end up going there. Mm. Yeah, but yeah, I, I don't hate Liverpool as much as I used to now. I've sort of softened. When I was when I was growing up and you're getting ripped all the time, it's uh, yeah. Although it's yeah, it's not great seeing them win the league all when they were doing no, that. No, no, <laughs> had to had to go out of the country for that one. So, are there any particular occasions or moments that you really remember that just really stand out as being just like wow, this is incredible? Um. I think winning the the Premier League two titles were pretty special, just in terms of the the players that we had, and you know seeing that group progress were, were you know was great to see. Um, we went on a pre you know, on like a World Cup tour to Australia, you know, when the World Cup was on this um, last season, and that was a pretty good trip in terms of you know we played a few friendlies over there with Celtic and. Um, Sydney um, but we got to see a lot of different sites as well we went to see the England play Australia the cricket and it was uh, you know the hotel was near the harbour so yeah it was a special city Sydney I really enjoyed going back and seeing some of the sites really. Mm, and then what was it did you watch the games with the players then? Yeah yeah um, we did yeah they set up the club set up um, but the timings were a bit up in the air, you know, some like 10 o'clock at night, some were like, you know, 3 a.m. So it would all depend on the kickoff because of the time differences. But yeah, I remember watching some on the plane over and some on the plane back. But yeah, there was a bit of a buzz uh, around that World Cup. And because we had lads away in, in, the, in the tournament and, you know, it, it, I guess there was the, the focus was on trying to just maintain fitness and get give minutes to maybe some of the lads who hadn't played as much and things like that um you know it was a little bit more relaxed so it was it was great great and you find when you're in a nice city suddenly players don't need the treatments and things like that and you get a bit more free time you know <laughs> yeah try and encourage that a bit more so you know, let's, let's go to new york for that one that'll be good <laughs> yeah 
And so, like, for, and then your own development. I know you're going to be busy. You've obviously got your family full time yeah. at Everton and working all that. But do you get to? Did you like read any other books like outside of the medical sphere as well as like the um, the online stuff? Outside of the medical sphere. Yeah, just anything like professional development. I I love reading books that you know whether it's business books or yeah. mindset or whatever. Yeah, I read a recent one, something like um, how to talk to people better. It was along them lines, really, and it was all like. Was it by Dave Unsworth? <laughs> but it was like, you know, trying to get rid of all those um, mundane conversations you have, you know, oh, how, how are you and things like that. And just trying to make them more specific and engaging, I think. I think when you spend time with players, it's easy to say, you know, get into small talk and uh, it was just delving a little bit more deeper and, and getting them to... Um, getting them more stimulated as well you know um cognitively so that was a good read i cannot think of the title of it now but i'll have to I'll have to get back to you on it it was good, yeah, good read, it worth doing it it was something like oh, i'll have to think i'll have to think yeah think think about it send me because yeah. i'm always always keen to get an idea on stuff yeah definitely i know I, you talk nonsense and when you actually think about it so you ask just general questions yeah. and you're talking gibberish yeah it's like when you get in a taxi isn't it and you know oh, you can't not say yeah how long have you been on since and it's like a peter k sketch isn't it it's like yeah it's yeah so i get when you think of it it's a bit it's like oh my god i'm just the yeah. same as everyone I'm yeah, so and, boring. I, and i hate small talk as well like so yeah it really really gets to me so this just delves a little bit more deeper and it gives you a bit more um what's the word i'm looking for um gives you more like more wealth of knowledge really to sort of uh, challenge them a bit more and yeah it, it is a good read yeah no no that that sounds that sounds good yeah no well, i really appreciate your time what what are your thoughts for the the season ahead um positive i think i think if we you know bring a few more bodies in um i think the club are trying to streamline the squad and you know, the, we've got the background thing and the financial fair play that everyone knows about. So, yeah, there's a lot of lot of work going on behind the scenes, but I'm I'm confident we won't have a season like last season. Yeah, that's that's just fingers crossed. And on that financial fair play, does that like impact you guys? Do you are you thinking ever, God, is this going to have some impact on me as well? Um, I guess I guess you would think yeah because. Suddenly, you know, are all the courses that suddenly we was a given that we got? Yeah, are they going to continue? And there are always little doubts in your mind, and you know, you you just never know how far down that will filtrate. Um, so yeah, yeah, it, it's one that we, you know, we've got no influence into. But yeah, things like budgets and spending. Um, I'm sure Adam will know more than me, but. Um, they will probably be looked at and, and, and things like that and reviewed constantly. And uh, I think we just got to be very, you know, careful on, on our spending, really. So, yeah. 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 Well, no, I'm sure all that will get sorted. And uh, yeah, it's great to know we've got a staunch Evertonian 
in the medical department there that can uh, can keep things going. So look, Joe, I really appreciate time. Best of luck for the season ahead. Thank you. And um, I look forward to reading that book once you've got the time. Yeah, I'll get back to you on it. Top Thanks, man, Andy. brilliant. Cheers, Joe. Thanks. See you, mate. Bye.